You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This session is entitled Encouraging Fellow Pastors with Pastor Kevin Folger. Pastor Folger has served at Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio since 1978 and became the senior pastor of Cleveland Baptist Church in 1995. Every pastor needs to be encouraged. You know, the nature of the pastoral ministry Letter A, the nature of the, past, uh, nature of the pastoral ministry lends itself to moments of discouragement. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, when you think about a pastor who is uh, given the responsibility of being the under-shepherd of the flock, uh, the one who is to, obviously, to lead and to be the point man, uh, that, that man becomes a target for the enemy. There's no question about that. Let's just, let's be honest. If you're uh, the enemy and you're looking to defeat someone, what are you going to do? You want to take out those who are people who are being used of God, those who are used to lead others. And so you're going to do what you can to take them out of the way. And so I believe there's no question about that, that uh, men who step up and the further you step up into leadership and, and servantship or servant responsibilities, become a target and, uh, you know, the devil comes after us. Uh, I think this is an interesting passage. Uh, you know, it's found in, um, in the book of Genesis. And uh, it had to do with the life of Joseph. And Joseph's father... Uh, Isaac, as you know, was dying, and uh, I'm sorry, Jacob was dying, and he gathered his boys around him, and he began to give all these prophetic utterances about his sons. And it says in Genesis 49 and verses 22 and 24, it says, And Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by the well, whose branches ran over the wall. Now listen, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. What is he talking about? He's talking about his brothers. And Joseph, of course, was the leader there, someone who God was going to use. And so his brothers became a source of discouragement to, to Joseph. He goes on to say, but the, the, the bow or the bow abode in strength and the arms and hands were made strong by the hands of a mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that we have to be defeated in battle. I'm just suggesting that you're going to face moments of discouragement. And when you face them, uh, you know, I believe that it's our mighty God who comes alongside of us, who strengthens us in those moments of discouragement. And many times the tool that God uses may be a fellow pastor or someone else who is on the church staff to come alongside at a, a critical moment in a man's life. And just to be there, just to speak that word uh, or to, uh, to be there to pray or to just lift up the arms in some way. And uh, I would say that there are moments in every ministry when the trials come and sometimes they're personal trials. Trials that you'll deal with in your own life and in your own family. Uh, sometimes they're ministry trials. And um, humanly speaking, uh, people look to, obviously, the pastor. And, and we all try, and no question about this, as, as pastors, we try to put on our best face when we go forward in the ministry and, and want people to think in our life everything's fine. We never have a problem. We're never discouraged. We never have a bad day. And uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. I'm just simply saying the truth of the matter is we do have them. Uh, we have moments of discouragement. We have moments of great disappointment. Uh, some, they may be larger. It may be a, a sick wife or a sick child. 
we all are aware of folks whose wives have died or their children have died in what we call tragic situations or untimely situations. And so those things are, are there. And so I would just simply say to you that every the, the, the pastoral ministry, letter A, the pastoral, the nature of the pastoral ministry lends itself to moments of discouragement. Letter B, even the most spiritual pastors, uh, even the most spiritual pastors have moments of discouragement. Um, you have to think, don't you, that the Apostle Paul had moments in which while we look at him as this, you know, shining example of someone who we'd all like to emulate, we'd all like to have the same success of ministry and have the same mindset and mentality, the truth of the matter is the man was a man, and no doubt about it, had moments of discouragement in his life when he wondered how it was all going to work out, you know. I have to think that when he was arrested in Jerusalem, and though God told him he was going to go to Rome, the time frame of that whole thing and the way it played out had to be uh, some moments of perhaps because he was just human would be moments of discouragement. Uh, I think of uh, what he wrote in Second Corinthians chapter 12 about the thorn in the flesh, uh, a messenger, he said, from Satan that buffeted him. And he said, I, I dealt with that thing. He said, three times, ask God. So the very fact that he would go to God three times and ask him to take it away lends itself to, to the fact or to my thinking that no doubt this is a bothersome issue that perhaps was a moment, brought moments of discouragement. And yet through it all, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And it's through your weakness that I'm made strong. And so we understand that. Uh, many of you are familiar with the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. And uh, most of us, unless we have read a biography of his life, are unaware of the fact that he had great moments of discouragement in which he dealt with. If you've not read, uh, the, read the book um, by Richard Ellsworth Day on the life of Spurgeon, The Shadow of the Broad Brim, you need to get that book and read that biography. Uh, Bush of Glow is the one he wrote about, about Moody. Both of those have been reprinted, I believe, by Crown Publications. But they're, they're great books, and they record the life of uh, Spurgeon. Uh, Spurgeon's book is called, again, The Shadow of a Broad Brim, and the author is Richard Ellsworth Day. But um, in a letter that, uh, in, in that book, in a letter that's dated January the 10th, 1884, uh, written from a place called Mentone, France, uh, Spurgeon often had to go there because of his, his health issues in his life. If you know anything about London, you know it's a very damp and, and dreary place. Mentone, France, in the, in the summer be, or in the winter, became a, a place where the sun would shine anyway, and perhaps was warmer than than London was, and so he would have to go there. And uh, he said, he said in this letter, he said, "I am altogether stranded. I'm not able to leave my bed or to find much rest upon it. The the pains of rheumatism, lumbago, sciatica, mingled together, are exceedingly sharp. I'm aware I'm dwelling in a body capable of the most acute suffering." In a letter to his wife, Susanna, he writes, After the deadly chill of Thursday night at Nice, I, I feel gout uh, coming on. My left foot is badly swollen, and the knee joint is following suit. I've had very, very little sleep, and I'm very low. So here was this great prince of preachers, this man that all of us read after, all of us uh, have probably in our libraries volumes of his sermons. Here was a man who faced great moments of uh, discouragement. You know, quite honestly, I've never met a preacher, and I may be wrong about this, but I've never met a preacher that has not faced some battles. Either they're facing them now, or, they're, uh, or they've just come through some, or, they've, or they're looking at some, and, and we're all there. And most preachers I uh, come across, we want to come across as being invincible. But the truth of the matter is, we all have our, our issues that we, we have to contend with and, and deal with. All right, second thing, uh, Roman number two in your outline for keeping it, pastors get opportunities. 
I'm talking specifically encouraging fellow pastors. So pastors get the opportunity to encourage a fellow pastor. We get an opportunity to encourage a fellow pastor. Uh, Letter A, no one understands the difficulties of ministry like another pastor. Now, I'll tell you this, and I may have have any guys that that are uh, associate pastors here. All right, got some some guys that are associates. Uh, How many folks are, how many guys are senior pastors in this year? Okay, vast majority. Uh, for um, 17 years, I was, uh, you know, associate pastor. I was a co-pastor. And even when, when I became a co-pastor, I had no idea or the level of, of things that the pastor deals with until the day that that transition takes place. And the, you, you can't, it's like, you know, when somebody says, well, how do you know you're called? Well, you just know you're called into the ministry. But when you become the pastor of a church, there is a, a responsibility, at least from my perspective, there was a responsibility that, shifted the night that I became the pastor of the Cleveland Baptist Church. Doc Thompson's last Sunday was September 3rd, 1995, and that Sunday night I knelt on the platform of that church and the men laid their hands on me and installed me as the pastor. And I've got to tell you, I felt that responsibility immediately that I had not known up to that point. Uh, before others could come and say, you know, hey, we're, there's something going on and we need to deal with it. Well, tell me a little bit about it. You know, that's a little bit too much for me. You better go see the pastor, you know. <laughs> and send them across the way to talk to the pastor. But then the day comes when there's nobody across the way, and you are that person dealing with every issue and every problem and everything that comes across, and the total responsibility of the ministry is yours at that point. And uh, I, I believe this, that while locations are different, all of us pastor in different regions of the country, and while the names may be different, and the faces may be different in the congregation. We're all still dealing with the same problems in the ministry. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. I, I may travel a little bit more than the average pastor, but uh, my wife and I often laugh a little bit as we sit down with another pastor and their wife, wife and maybe after a meeting and we're out to supper and, you know, all of a sudden they're all of a sudden now kind of bearing some of their burdens. And we walk away and say, you know, we could write the story. You know, it's the same in this place as it is in our place. And so the truth of the matter is, it's, it's just the way that it is. It's just uh, we understand those things. Uh, I think one of the reasons that men resign the pulpit is because uh, they look at an opportunity in another place. And they think it's going to be different there. You know, If I, I leave here, I'm going to go there and those people will appreciate me. Uh, or I won't have to deal with financial issues in that place. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, is that, again, it's the same everywhere. Uh, we all deal with some of the same issues and the same problems. Uh, I would give counsel uh, to you today, and if I can encourage you, uh, there may be somebody even sitting here thinking about, you know, I may go home and resign because I'm discouraged. Don't ever make a decision when you're discouraged. Don't do that. Don't make a, dis- a decision to resign your church or to uh, call someone in your office and give them a piece of your mind when you're discouraged. Uh, you find in the Bible stories, obviously, that are written for our learning and our admonition. And uh, certainly, when we look at some of the great men of the Bible, one of the great ones that stands out is a man by the name of Moses. And Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because he was discouraged. And when he was discouraged, he took it out on the people and he disobeyed God and he struck the rock when God told him to speak to the rock. But he was aggravated with the people because he was aggravated with the people. It cost him dearly. I read a little bit later on or just before that that the people were discouraged because of the way and they spake against Moses and they spake against God. And so we oftentimes say the wrong things. We oftentimes do the wrong things when 
there are moments of discouragement in our life. And I don't know how you know how you get out of the funk of discouragement sometimes when it when it, maybe it's it's really set in in deep, and some of that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. But there are moments when you are dealing with some of those things, and the the thing you want to do is you want to run away, you want to get away from it, you want to go someplace else and face a new uh, scenario, a new scene. And the truth of the matter is, you could make the worst decision of your life and move into something that's much worse and and get yourself out of the will and the plan of God because you make that, that, that decision at that moment. Letter B, it's a privilege to be a blessing and to be a tool to encourage a discouraged pastor. It is a blessing to do that. In the Old Testament, uh, we find, uh, I think, one of the great stories that's recorded for us in the book of Second Kings, and it's when Elisha becomes the, the man of God after Elijah stepped off the scene. And you know the story of the Shunammite woman. And uh, Elijah evidently went by her house often and she and her husband uh, thought about this man of God. And they decided that they would put a little chamber on the wall for him to, to dwell in. And they put a little table and a little candlestick there so that he could have a place uh, to rest himself. And uh, I, I like what it says in 2 Kings 4.9. It says, and, and she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive this is a holy man of God that passes by us continually. Don't you want that to be said of you, that you're a holy man of God? And uh, she looked at that as an opportunity, a great opportunity to be an encouragement to the man of God. Uh, we readily give ourselves to the needs of the people that make up the church. I think every pastor, if you're really called to the pastorate, you, you, man, when somebody's got a need, you're there. You try to minister to them. Uh, but there are times when another man of God, a fellow pastor, needs that encouragement as well. Um, have you ever thought where we would be in Christianity? I realize that God obviously orchestrates the events of life and he deals with things and uh, he's sovereign in all that he does. But where would we be, humanly speaking, if it wasn't for a man by the name of Barnabas in the, in the New Testament? His name, his very name, means son of consolation. And he was always coming alongside someone to help them. And one of the men that he obviously helped in early in his ministerial life was the Apostle Paul. And honestly, when you read this story, Paul tried to join himself to the church there in Jerusalem, and nobody really wanted to have much to do with him because they were afraid of him. But it was Barnabas who came alongside of Paul at that lone moment and brought him into the, the church there and introduced him to the leadership and said, hey, you've got to understand God's worked in this man's life. He's a changed creature. And so it was a, a great opportunity that, that we see in the life of, of the Apostle Paul for something uh, like that to happen. Uh, well, it's one of, you know, again, I understand that everybody has their philosophy of, of pastor's fellowships. And, and I believe, obviously, you can go to seed on some of this stuff. But I purposely try to get to some pastor's fellowships in my state. And it's not because I, I don't have anything to do. Uh, it's very obvious that you know, we're all busy. And, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a, a small church, large church. Everybody that I know of in the pastorate, I mean, we, if we're doing our, our stuff, we're busy. So why would a person decide to go to a pastor's fellowship? You say, well, it's preaching. Well, you get good preaching at some pastor's fellowships, at least the ones I attend. I like the, you know, I like the fact that preachers preach to preachers, and nobody knows preachers' sins like other preachers. And so, you know, get in our face and just, you know, preach up a storm. And I like that. But quite honestly, one of the things I think comes out of a pastor's fellowship is an opportunity to encourage other pastors. And you know, I, I can tell you that. You know, again, I could go probably the rest of my life and not go to a pastor's fellowship and I'd be all right. 
but I go because I'm, I'm going to be, try to be a blessing. I receive a blessing, but I, I go to try to be a blessing. And there are young men there that are planning churches that, you know, they're coming looking for support. They're looking. And, and let's just face it, you know, sometimes the people think, you know, older pastors and guys have been around a little bit, uh, you know, they, they look up to older, older. I, I feel like that's a, a relative term, uh, but uh, I, I'm still young. Don't say, don't say anything, Brother Haynes. Not a word, not a word out of you. Uh, but uh, truthfully, um, it is a relative, uh, relative term. But honestly, I've been in, in ministry 32 years and you know, been a pastor of the church. I pastored 15 years and 17 years uh, together, so 32 years in one place. And so, you know, I, I believe I can bring something to a young man, try to help him, try to encourage him, try to give him some, some of the things that I've learned in life. And so you have that opportunity, not necessarily in a, in a preaching venue. Sometimes that happens. You get the opportunity to preach and can give an illustration or, or truth. But setting down across the table from a guy and he, you know, he just starts picking your brain a little bit. And, and, and you get that opportunity to, to, to be an encouragement. So I, I would say that that's important. Um, I first came to this leadership conference, I don't know, several years ago. Brother Chapel had asked that I would come and, and uh, speak at it. Well, of course, it was quite an honor to come and speak at, the, at a leadership conference. But it was here that I, I began, I met some men that I, I didn't know. I, I honestly had very little exposure to the West other than just some men that I met in some other fellowships and some other meetings. But came out here and began to meet some fellows. And, and you know, when you meet other men of God, you have an opportunity to in, impact their life and they have an in, opportunity to impact your life. And it's really a, a residual type of thing. It, it's, a, uh, you know, uh, cyclical. It just moves around in, in a circle and it goes both ways. But, uh, you know, I can think of men that are, that are here in this conference this week that I met years ago that developed a relationship with. And, and I'm going to talk to you about some of the things that, that happen as a result of those, those relationships. But the truth of the matter is we have that, that ability because we have that, that same heart one for another. All right. The, the third thing I'd share with you, I'm going to give you some of the ways to encourage another pastor. And these, these things obviously are not rocket science. And certainly, Probably everybody in here has done some of these things to a certain extent, but you ought to really make it a priority to do some of these things on a regular basis towards another pastor. And I believe that you may be a tool that God uses to, to keep someone in the ministry or keep them in a place when they're discouraged, when they want to run away, when they want to get away from it. And uh, I believe God can, can help us do that. Uh, first thing I'd say, letter A, spiritually sensing a need. Uh, pastors can do that. You spiritually sense needs. Uh, as you're around another pastor, another preacher, and, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that other preachers will say, hey, uh, can I talk to you for a few moments? Well, I know that when they're going to do that, there's something they're, they're wanting to share with me that is either something that's going on in their life or something that's going on in their ministry or something that maybe they're just needing a little bit of advice about. But, you know, you can talk to someone. They may just want to sit down and have a cup of coffee, just fellowship. But sometimes even out of just that fellowshipping time, there are things, there are little things that are said that you pick up on something's going on in their life and it just helps you to be more aware and you ought to make a mental note of it at that point so that you can put that on your prayer list and pray for them. And we'll, we'll talk to them a little bit more. But I, I probably, I, I receive probably at least two or three times a, a week, maybe sometimes less than that, sometimes maybe a little bit more than that, but calls from other pastors who are calling because they, they just want a, some advice and they're dealing with something. And so, again, I just simply say to you that, you know, you and I have that opportunity as a, a fellow pastor to sense what's going on in someone else's life. And, you know, as God prompts you, as it's often been said, if God prompts you to, 
to think about somebody, uh, pick up your phone at that moment. There have been times when I'm right, right in the middle of a study uh, for a message, and I, God prompts me to say, you know, you need to call that person. And I'll either jot myself a note that I'm going to do it, or I'll just walk out at that moment outside my office, take my cell phone and give that person a call, because obviously God is at work to prompt that at that, that moment. All right, uh, letter B, using modern technology to communicate an, encourage, an encouraging message or to, uh, to encourage a message. Um, you know, I, I, the telephone isn't modern technology, but there's the things that have developed here recently in the last couple of years that really make the telephone, whether it's the cell phone or the uh, landline phone, a whole lot less expensive. Uh, out of our church, we have several missionary families that are scattered across the face of the world. I have two families in on the continent of Africa, and I've got uh, four families in Europe, and I've got another family in South America, and another single lady missionary in in, uh, in uh, Mexico. Uh, I've got a, a, a another single gentleman in Russia. So we have several families, and you know when you start to look at that, and used to be, man, you call those places, and it was dollar something a minute, and cost quite costly to call several people, and we would do that. But now with the innovation of Skype and I mean, you can even put Skype on your on your cell phone, man, and you can make these calls relatively inexpensive. And, uh, you know, and it's probably necessary because of the fact that, you know, the time difference, a lot of times you're not going to be in the office when you have the opportunity to call these folks because of the time difference. You'll be at home and it may be late in the evening and you think about them calling them. But the idea of obviously using a telephone, and look, the telephone ought not to be used to gossip. Pick up the phone, let's call somebody about so-and-so who's having a problem or going through a difficulty. Did you know i got to call my friend, i got to tell him this stuff? Well, you know, I think we're probably guilty of that more than we want to admit. But we sure, certainly should use the telephone to encourage and to, to be a help and a blessing. And uh, obviously the, the expense of that is a whole lot less. Email is uh, another opportunity that is used today. I think to myself, I think to the days when the, the guys used to have to get on a sailboat and take them a month or two to get to their field because they were sailing across an ocean. And then if you wanted to send them a letter, it would be another two or three months to get there, and they'd respond back to it another two or three months to get to you. And now we can sit down and we can send a, a message across the face of the world you know, with lightning speed, you know. If they've got email access on a, in most countries, most missionaries, no matter where they're located, most of these places have high-speed Internet, and they can tag into websites and things like that. But, uh, you know, either a group email to friends, uh, again, or individual emails, uh, just a few lines to, uh, of a, a challenge to, to folks. Um, I don't know how many of you guys do things like Twitter. Um, I know a lot of guys say, yeah, I don't have time for that. Well, I don't have time for it either, but I do it twice a day just because I want to try to send out an encouraging note or message. And I try to get our, our, our people in our church to follow that. Uh, I know other pastors follow that, and it's not a, it's not about me. That's that's a problem. A lot of this social networking comes about. It's a me generation. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, but the truth of the matter is, it ought to be about encouraging folks, either because something God has done in your life, or something that you are praying about, or something you want uh, want God to do, or something God has done that can be an encouragement to others. Uh, you know, so Twitter is a is a good way to do that, uh, and you know, you know, may, maybe no other. Preachers who have it and who are following you, you can you can use that. Uh, I, I don't do the Facebook thing. I, I, have, I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for that stuff. But, uh, you know, a couple times a day on this other thing. So those are a few things. Let us see, physically doing something that makes a difference. What are some physical things? Well, praying, obviously, and seeking the Lord for that person. 
is something that obviously we all can do. That's something that's physical, but it's spiritual. Uh, there's a physical aspect of it because you've got to physically do something to get on your knees or get in the presence of the Lord, but you're praying for them. You know, I, I like what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 to 5. He says, Thank God whom I serve for my forefathers of the pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Can you imagine what Timothy thought when he received that letter from the Apostle Paul? That Paul, the Apostle Paul, had been praying for him night and day when he had remembrance of him, brought his name before the Lord. Greatly desiring to see thee and being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. So I would put that at the top of my list of things that I can do to encourage someone else. It'd be to pray for them. And let me just say this, that when you do pray for that, that person, you know, sit down that day and write a note to them or... Uh, you know, send them an email, say, I just want to let you know that this morning you are on my prayer list and I pray that the Lord will help you today. And, you know, to receive something like that encourages someone greatly in the ministry. Um, I, I think the second thing you can do, if you are able to do this, invite a, a man who's discouraged or going through a moment of discouragement to preach in your pulpit. Um, that says that you've got confidence in that, that person. And, you know, that uh, you want them to come. And you can use that as an opportunity to minister to them as they're coming. Because, you know, depending if, I mean, if there's a guy across town, obviously you don't have to get a hotel room for him or, or whatever. So the guy has to maybe just drive an hour. But if a man's coming from a distance, you can get him a hotel room. Uh, you could spend some time fellowshipping with him before service or after service. Uh, just, you know, just encouraging. And then to put them in your pulpit and let them have the experience of preaching to your people and let that be an encouragement. Uh, the opportunity to give them a love offering, uh, you know, for, for being there, uh, just as a, a way of encouraging a, a fellow pastor who's, who may be in a, in a moment really needs to get out of something, and that may just be something that God uses. Um, you know, if a guy is close enough uh, or you can work it out, uh, you know, set, a, set up a lunch date. Um, I say a lunch date. Obviously, I'm using the framework of you're going to meet a guy at a, at a place and put it on a calendar someplace. And uh, at, a, at a time, and we're going to meet for lunch. Unless providentially hindered, a funeral can come up, or somebody's in the hospital that's having surgery, you're going to you're going to be there. And and then spend a couple of hours just challenging and and uh, bring a scripture encouragement um, and uh, pray with that person. Uh, you know, before you leave, that and I'm asking God to help you. And and uh, you know, if, uh, just keep in touch with me. Let me know how it's going. And you know, just to carry that burden in that way. Um, you know, sometimes if you're out in that area, just drop by. Uh, you know, drop by the church and for a visit. Drop by the house. Just knock on the door. Just say, yeah, just come by to see how you're doing. I just want to let you know God put you on my heart and on my mind. And I just, I just want to let you know you're, you're important to me. You know? I'm praying for you. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on encouraging fellow pastors with Pastor Kevin Folger. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.